You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 893 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on a Saturday evening, a special weekend edition of the podcast. And uh, the Hawks got a victory this evening by a final score of 122 to 112 on the road in Memphis and a pretty impressive performance from the Hawks, all things considered, with a shorthanded roster. Um, and yeah, we'll, we have plenty to dive into on the podcast today. And thank you, as always, for joining us. Please subscribe to the podcast and all of that fun stuff. So we'll dive right in here because of the uh, weekend fast-paced nature of this podcast. Uh, but this is a you know a pretty difficult spot for Atlanta, all things considered. Now coming in, I've talked about this the last couple of weeks, but the Hawks have this nine-game slate at the beginning of the schedule that's pretty favorable to them. There are two tough games. Uh, they're both on the road in Brooklyn, and Brooklyn looks great right now. But aside from that, it was seven teams that the Hawks would be favored on, against on, on a neutral court, in my opinion. But the toughest one of that seven was today in Memphis on the road. And given the fact that the Hawks actually had uh, some shorthanded roster issues in this game, the, they actually closed as, a, as an underdog in this spot, which actually made a, a lot of sense to me anyway, because Memphis is pretty good. They're playing at home, and they were shorthanded as well, but the Hawks did not have Clint Capella, Danilo Gallinari in this game, as well as Chris Dunn, Okongwu, Tony Snell, and while Rajon Rondo was technically active to play, he did not play at all in this spot. So the Hawks really had 11 guys pretty much available in this spot, and on the road, that is a pretty tough ask. Um, the original report actually lets some um, some wiggle room, I, I will say, for Capella and Gallinari. And in fact, Gallinari was actually questionable uh, until the latter stages of today on Saturday. He warmed up, and he was a, a game-time decision, according to Lloyd Pierce, but uh, apparently that, that did not go terribly well, so he's not, he did not play in this game. But Capella was out. And uh, before we get to the game itself, I do want to play some audio about Capella because you know now that the game was a positive result for the Hawks, the fan base is not quite as angry about about this, but before the game, I got a lot of feedback, and so did the Peace Hoops account that I am uh, the manager of. Uh, some frustration from Hawks fans about Capella and uh, you know lack of clarity and the fact that he's not, not been playing, etc. So I wanted to play you what Lloyd Pierce had to say about Capella's injury before we dive into this game in particular. Um, there, there are two pieces of audio that I want to play for you. The first question is from Sarah Spencer that you will hear. I, I want to give you the whole context here, so I'm, I'm going to play you the question and the answer on both of these. But the first one is from Sarah Spencer to Lloyd Pierce. This is before the game on Capella. Do you have any kind of timeline on Clint's return? I don't. Um, you know, he, he's... Uh lifting weights right now as I walked in here. Um, we obviously didn't do anything yesterday. It was a, a token day off with Christmas and we got here late on a flight. So didn't have any chance to, to reload um, on the court with any activity and with an early game, you know, I'm not sure if he warmed up or what he, what he went through, but I know today was an opportunity to, to reload and, and test and um, figure out how he feels after this, the soreness earlier in the week. Um, but I, I, as I tell you guys all the time and why it may seem as if I'm clueless, I can only coach the guys that are on the court. And, and that's really how I approach it. This was not the next question necessarily. This is a couple questions later, but this is the only other question that was about Capella in the pregame availability. And it was actually asked by Chris Kirshner of The Athletics. So here you go. The final piece of audio that Pierce indicated on Capella today. Um so obviously Clint played in the four preseason games. Did he sustain some sort of setback from the time that fourth game ended to in between the start of the season happened or, or what exactly happened in between that time period? 
You, you, you must not have heard the end of my last question. I really, you know, who's available is all I, all I really ask. I don't go into it. I let the uh, training staff figure it out, whether it's a minor ankle deal or a, a major back deal, whoever the case may be, protocol. Um, you know, whoever's available is what we do in practice and what we do in the games. Uh, I was told he was sore and um, he'll, he'll be back soon. Um, he's working out. He's going to test it and get on the court and get some reloading is what I do know. And it's kind of it. I, I don't, I don't, I never, and I tell you guys this all the time, I never pretend to know about injuries. I've never sustained an injury in my life. And so I don't pretend to know what an ACL or an MCL or anything else or a foot or ankle. I don't know anything about it. So I don't try and pretend to know. They just let me know if they're available. And that's all I, I kind of go with. So there you go on that. Uh, not a ton of clarity. Obviously, uh, there's some encouragement in there. I think he mentioned briefly that they expect him to be back pretty soon. The Hawks do play at home on Monday, so maybe that's a game to circle. And uh, again, if there's any doubt whatsoever, I am on board with the Hawks holding him out. But the, uh, the messaging's not been terribly clear right now. Uh, you hear from Lloyd there, not, not a ton of candor. He may not know a ton either, but um, this is one of those things about uh, Zoom availabilities, not being around the team. And of course, the medical staff is disconnected from the coaching staff in a lot of ways, um, probably on purpose. So, you know, we'll see what happens. We'll see what the injury report reveals on Sunday. But uh, unless we hear something else different, you have to assume day-to-day uh, -day stuff on Capella until otherwise noted. So with that said, um, I want to set the stage a little bit with that audio, but the Hawks were without Capella. Without Gallinari, um, Brendan Goldman did play. He was on the uh, injury report coming into the game, but um, pretty shorthanded in a lot of ways. It is worth noting that Memphis was also shorthanded in this game. No Jaron Jackson Jr., no DeAnthony Milton. Uh, Justice Winslow still out for them. Jonte Porter, Killian Tilly, Xavier Tillman, etc. So it wasn't as if Memphis was full strength either, but you know both these teams had a lot of core pieces still available. And uh, honestly, this is much better than the Christmas Day games. Uh, I heard that from some people. The Hawks were in this standalone window with a 5 o'clock start time on Saturday. And after a pretty ugly slate on Christmas, it was nice to see a competitive, pretty well-played game on both ends of the floor. So a lot of fun that we'll get to now. So we'll dive in as we always will. Broadly speaking, again, I thought the Hawks played very well in this game given the challenging circumstances, but we'll go through blow by blow as we always do, and we'll get into some player takeaways later on in the podcast. Um, at the outset, it was a pretty ugly start for Atlanta offensively, uh, especially um, a couple of unforced errors offensively, I thought. They were down 7-2 to out of the gate. They only scored two points in the first four minutes or so, and then John Collins got two fouls in about two and a half minutes, and he went to the bench, and given where the Hawks were depth-wise, Collins is probably the guy they would have liked to be without the most, um, sorry, the least, other than maybe Young. Um, Collins is pretty um, indispensable in a game like this. He played well when he played, but he definitely was limited given the foul trouble that he had. Um, they brought in Bruno Fernando off the bench early on. He actually played reasonably well, I thought. Um, and also, DeAndre Hunter got his second foul about six minutes into the game. So they went pretty small. They actually, for a possession or two, went to a lineup that had Bogdanovich and Reddish at the forward spots together, along with Bruno. So very, very small. That did not last, though. They went to Solomon Hill pretty quickly after that. But Memphis had their best stretch of the game at that point in time. They went on a 9-0 run, the, the Grizzlies did, to go up 16-8 to after the Hawks took a very brief lead. And the Hawks opened this game 0-8 from 3. So if you look at that through that lens, the Hawks finished this game 13 of 36. They were 13 of their last 28 from three after starting 0 of 8. So they warmed up quite a bit. Um, but even then, for the full game, the Hawks' three best shooters in the starting lineup, um, Young, Bogdanovich, and Collins, at least from last season, those guys finished a combined 2 of 19 from three in this game. And the Hawks won by 10 on the road. That's pretty wild, all things considered. At any rate... Um, 
Kevin Herter was great. He came in the game uh, pretty quickly in the middle of the first quarter and had an immediate impact. Had 10 points in short order, which was badly needed given how much they were struggling at that point in time. His first three of the night tied the game at 20-20. to 20. It was also the first three for the Hawks, who opened the game, again, ovate from three. It was a 17-2 overall run by Atlanta to go up 27-20. They actually went to Goodwin, which surprised some people. It did not surprise me. Um, Lloyd Pierce said before the game, sort of talked around Rondo's availability. They did upgrade him from out, basically, all the way to available. So he was available to play. It was in uniform. But they, he did mention sort of the fact that he's not been around the team for the last couple of days. He had uh, he was just, it was at least on the injury report before that with some right knee soreness. I'm not sure if that's a big deal or not, but he's not been playing basketball the last few days given the funeral that he had to attend and the health, the health and safety protocol stuff that he's been going through so I was not too shocked by the lack of Rondo we'll see if he plays on Monday but uh, it's a good sign that he's at least healthy and available to play but uh, Goodwin's been been around the team etc and they went to him instead and they also went to Nathan Knight so I kind of buried the lead a little bit here. This is kind of the Nathan Knight game in a lot of ways. If, if Trey Young had not been so good later on, then we'll get to, and Kevin Herter hadn't been so good, we'd probably be spending even more time on this. But Nathan Knight had the game of his life this evening. So the two-way big man from William & Mary, a guy that I've liked, quite honestly. He was in my top 100 coming into the draft. I know Wes Morton wrote about him um, on PeacherHoops.com for us coming into the draft. I know uh, a couple of people on the Hawks, on Hawks internet uh, liked Nathan Knight quite a bit as well. Um, but a guy who no one saw him, this coming necessarily. I've always liked his game the last couple of years. He was actually in the draft two years ago before, before, before withdrawing and did a visit with the Hawks in 2019. But... All that said, he was very good in this game, uh, kind of hilariously and in a, in a fun way. So the Hawks played 10 guys um, really the entire night um, out of the 12 available. It was only Skyler Mays that did not play that was fully healthy and Rondo, of course. I actually thought Bruno was pretty good in the first stretch, but Nathan Knight played better than Bruno did overall. Um, still... Um, I want to mention that Knight hit a three right away, and spoiler alert: in nine minutes, yes, nine minutes, he had 14 points. So uh, kind of a kind of the story of the night there for him in a lot of ways. Um, still, the Hawks up by five the end of, at the end of the first quarter. They actually held Memphis to an 83 offensive rating in the first quarter. That was a big part of why they were able to get, grab a foothold in this game. And Herder had 10 points in the first period. Um, second quarter was interesting in its own right. It was more consistent in a lot of ways, but the Hawks lost that quarter. Um, they actually lost both middle quarters in this game and still managed to win by 10 on the road. Um, I will mention that Knight had a really nice drive to the rim and finish early in the quarter. And then he hit a kickout pass from the corner for three. He kinda, you know, they hit one more highlight later on, but that was the one best stretch that he had offensively. Um, there was some more foul trouble, but Trey Young came back in after a struggle in the first quarter and played much better Much better after that. He immediately got to the rim to go up eight points in the second. There's a flagrant one foul that I want to mention that Solomon Hill got, got called for. It was the right call. Um, it was on Grayson Allen, though, so Hawks fans did not seem to like the call. And I understand Grayson Allen's not someone that's very popular with good reason. He got into it with Trey last time in the preseason, especially. But um, it was definitely the right call. Still, uh, I'm sure people were not necessarily upset that were Hawks fans about that whole exchange. And uh, right before that, Allen went diving at Badani his feet. Um, that was a ridiculous play. He's something he just does way too often. It was kind of a dangerous attempt by him. There was a nice run by Memphis to go uh, 7-0 to get back within one. And then Collins had to sit, um, obviously, as I said before, for foul trouble. He sat for a very, very long time. So he sat for about 15 straight game minutes with two fouls. That worked out for the Hawks in the end. It was a little bit longer than I would have sat him. He ended up playing, ended up playing 27 minutes, which actually was more than I thought he was going to get to, given that whole long stretch. And he was pretty energized after after resting that long, which probably worked out for Atlanta in some ways. But they immediately ran something for him, got free throws to start, um, a run of their own. And then Collins had a fantastic offensive rebound and finish moments later for a three-point play that was kind of a grown man move the way that I would describe it. Uh, just an awesome effort play by Collins, who's always playing very, very hard on both ends. 
Um, Reddish was not great in this game, I don't think, but made some nice flash plays defensively. He had a crazy steal and save, and uh, his instincts are always really good defensively, and that was good to see in that spot. The Grizzlies did did sort of close and chip away at the lead, and the Hawks, um, those still were sort of able to hold on to the lead. They were up two at the break because of the strong start that they had, but it was kind of back and forth for most of the second quarter. Atlanta only shot 44% from three, uh, sorry, from, from the field, and 6-20 from three in the first half, but only had six turnovers. That allowed them to kind of um, you know, maximize possessions in the first half. There was one egregious missed pass by Brandon Goodwin that I want to mention. He had a two he had a two on one fast break with Collins late in the late in the first half that he just has to pass the ball and didn't and missed the layup. It was contested. That was a bad one for Brandon, who I like, but a rough move, a rough move from him that like a lot of Hawks fans seem to notice late in the first half. But um, all things considered, the shot quality I thought was pretty good. Before halftime for Atlanta, they didn't shoot well, but they definitely had some makeable attempts. Herter was perfect, 5 of 5 from the floor and 13 points in the first half. But as I said before, the shot quality um, was good, but the shot making from the guys on the perimeter was rough. And in fact, in the first half, Young, Bogdanovich, and Reddish were 6 of 24 from the field and 1 of 10 combined from three. That's rough. Obviously, Trey Young got, still had 12 points and had some good, had some good passing, etc. Was able to get to the rim quite a bit. But his, uh, his shooting was not on early in this game. He definitely found it later on. And also, he sat the last three and a half minutes. Actually, he was at the table for the last two minutes of the first half, trying to get back in, there were no, and there were no stoppages, which is kind of brutal. But the Hawks did hold Memphis to 1.03 points per possession in the first half, and that allowed them to get the lead that they were actually able to hold on to for most of the rest of the game. Before we get to the second half individual and some individual stuff in this game, some breakdowns, etc., a word from our sponsors on today's podcast. All right, we'll dive into the second half now, as well as some individual stuff on the podcast today. And the second half was interesting. They actually started with Bruno Fernando at the five, coming out of halftime, um, instead of Bogdanovich, who went to the bench. Um, no issue with that whatsoever. Obviously, Memphis is pretty big, and I was concerned, actually, the Hawks didn't have enough size to open this game anyway. They, would, they were going to start Gallinari, and Pierce did say that before the game, if he was on, if he was available to play. Bruno did fine. I thought that was a reasonable decision, but still, Memphis hit back-to-back threes, took the lead. Um, Pierce took a, a quick timeout as a result of that. They did stabilize things after that. Young had a great pass to Collins for a dunk, and then Memphis all timeout right back from there. In fact, um, Trey Young had nine points in the first five minutes or so of the second half. He was fantastic the entire second half of this game. Um, looking ahead, obviously, that was the case. Um, a nice block by DeAndre Hunter, who was very good in this game as well, on John Morant. He flashes improvement on both ends of the floor in this game as well. Herter started 7 of 7 from the floor, including a 3 to get, put the Hawks up by 7 points in the third. And then, uh, by the way, they brought Nathan Knight back in for one more stretch, as I said, as I said refer- uh, earlier, referencing that play. They, they threw a, uh, an out-of-bounds play designed for, to, designed for Knight, threw him a lob, and he finished it through a foul for a dunk. And uh, there was an eruption from there. So Nathan Knight, have an evening. He was fantastic. And uh, that was the last kind of flash play that he did. But he contributed very, very well. Pierce seemed to be very pleased with him after the game, with for obvious reasons. The Hawks did lead up did lead by as many as eight points in the third quarter, but actually gave up an 11-1 run by Memphis late in the third to give the Grizzlies a brief lead. And the Hawks actually trailed by one going into the fourth quarter, despite nine points and five assists from Trey Young in the third quarter. But the fourth was all Hawks. Um, they finished the fourth quarter 35-24, to 24, and uh, they pretty much, I would say, earned this victory in that period. They started pretty small in the fourth with Young, Herder, Bogdanovich, Hunter, and Collins. That actually worked out very well with an 8-0 run to open things up. There was a nice drive and kick pass by Herder to Bogdanovich, who made who finally made a three. It was his first one, his only one of the game that he made there. And then the run was capped by a nice three by Hunter to go up by seven. There was a little bit of a push by Memphis from there, but the Hawks managed to stay in front the rest of the way. Um, there was a great um, three off of a 
kick out by Trey Young off an offensive rebound, actually, to go up by six. And then uh, they had to go without Trey Young for a minute or two, about a minute and a half, actually, because he was going to have to play the last 13 minutes straight, which they don't want to do this early in the season, I'm sure. And they managed to go with their best five on the court during that stretch, which, which was basically Bogdanovich, Herter, Hunter, Reddish, and Collins. And they were able to hold serve without Trey on the court for 75, 75 seconds, which is how, as long as he was out of the game. They brought him back in. They lost the lead for about one possession, honestly. And then Hunter made um, free throws, getting to the line. And then Trey hit a semi-contested three. Sorry, Trey kicked out to Hunter for a semi-contested three to go up by four, and the Hawks never uh, never trailed from there. Got another stop from there. Collins makes free throws, go up by six. And then Trey Young got in De- on Dylan Brooks's head back-to-back times for free throws, uh, four straight points. And then Young took over the game late as well. Uh, a layup to, to go up by five with 1.30 to go, and he absolutely erased Grayson Allen with a great move in the process. I'm sure you've seen this play if you watch the game, but it was a fantastic move by Trey. And then Collins got a rebound, a pretty strong one defensively to end the possession, and then John Morant got a technical foul to end the game, basically. Eight points in about 1.40 for Trey Young during that run, and the game was over from there. There was one bad turnover by Cam Reddish in the last minute or so, where it could have been a little bit perilous, but the Hawks managed to avoid damage there. Still lead my six and ended up winning this game. So, you know, a lot to get to, but overall, the Hawks defensively played reasonably well. They held the Grizzlies to 1.07 points per possession. That's perfectly fine, especially uh, on the road without all of your uh, key pieces that the Hawks didn't have in this game. Um, offensively, they scored at a rate of 1.17 points per, per possessions, which is excellent, especially on the road. They got to the line 38 times, making 33 of them. In the second half, they had 28 free throw attempts. That's a huge, huge number that Lloyd Pierce made, made sure to reference after the game as well. They also crushed the Grizzlies on the on the glass, which is very surprising, but especially in the second half, the Hawks had the better of that against Valanciunas, etc. Atlanta, in the second half, had 10 offensive rebounds, and for the game, the Hawks out-rebounded the Grizzlies pretty soundly on both ends of the floor, so that was a sneaky, important thing. The Hawks played very hard and very physically in this game, which is not always something you can assume is going to happen, and they held the Grizzlies to 6-22 from the floor and 2-11 of 11 from 3 in the fourth quarter, so second half was all Hawks, especially the fourth quarter. They just kind of made winning plays for most of the fourth quarter. And the defense was actually quite good throughout. So uh, shouts to the Hawks for playing well defensively, even on a night without Capella, etc. So we'll get into the individual players now before we get out of here on this fine evening. But uh, on the bench, um, not a ton going on except for two guys. And we'll mention them now at the top. Again, Nathan Knight, 14 points, three rebounds, nine minutes, four or five from the floor, two or three from three, and four or five from the free throw line. He was aggressive. He was athletic. I think he was more springy than people thought that he might be, uh, which is nice to see from him. I would probably hold my horses on thinking he's going to be a every night contributor on this team. Based on this, I saw some uh, some justified reactions. He was really good in this game. Uh, I'm not sure that he's going to be this good all the time, but it was a nice a nice moment for Nathan Knight, and we'll see if he can sort of earn some more playing time. Perhaps if Capella misses some more time, you might see him again in the near future. Bruno Fernando did not score in this game, but I actually thought this was one of his better games in recent memory. He had 10 rebounds, three assists, uh, just played hard, played well defensively. Um, overall, anyway, you know, the, the couple things that are uh, sort of maddening in the way that he often does, but I thought it was a pretty solid game from him, and the Hawks needed him to be pretty solid in this game. So that was a nice, nice moment from Bruno Fernando. Solomon Hill was pretty quiet, six points, didn't make a three. He was two or five from the floor in this spot. Didn't do anything great, but was uh, just his solid veteran presence back up. Brandon Goodwin had a couple of uh, nice moments, a couple of um, more maddening ones as well. Well, but played, 20, played 12 minutes, had five points. And then Kevin Herter was great, I thought. 21 points, four assists, two rebounds, a steal. Uh, was plus 14 off the bench in 27 minutes. He was 8 of 12 from the floor, 4 of 5 from 3. 
Obviously, the shooting is the headliner for Kevin Herter, always, but I thought his playmaking was good. A couple of nice passes in this game. Again, four assists as a secondary creator. I thought defensively he got in there and was uh, at least solid or better for him. So a really nice night from Kevin. He's not always been this consistent, but he's uh, I think he's shown himself quite well so far in the extended preseason into the off se- into regular season now. And I think he's uh, earning more time as a result of that. To the starters... A quiet night from Bogdanovich, who did not shoot the ball well. 2 of 10 from the floor, 1 of 9 from 3, but had 9 rebounds. He had 2 assists as well and a steal. I thought he was active. He didn't play great because the shooting is kind of, you know, it's it's tough to overcome 2 of 10 from the floor, 1 of 9 from 3. But I thought he was not as bad as that indicated. He made some nice little, made some nice little plays. He's going to have to make shots at some point, but again, I've seen some panic about him. You know, this is a guy who's made shots in the NBA now for three seasons. He's a veteran, um, you know, 37, 38% three-point shooter for his career. I don't worry at all about that. Like, I'm sure it'd be nice if he's making threes right out of the gate, but I think he's uh, has a big enough sample size now where you don't worry about him just kind of forgetting how to shoot. So no worries there for me anyway. Um, Ken Reddish was not fantastic, as I said before, but five points, three rebounds, two assists, a steal, and a block. He was um, offensively not great, I don't think. He had a couple of uh, forced mid-rangers, a couple of struggled um, misfinishes from Cam. But I think, again, defensively, he made every play that you would want him to make. And offensively, some nice flashes. There was one um, great spin move and almost finished a dunk that would have been a highlight-worthy play. Just missed it, but it was a great physical move that he tried to dunk. I, li- I like to see that from Cam, but him trying to like, attempt a circle finish. Um, I like that aggressiveness. So he actually did play reasonably well at times, even though he was not great overall. And offensively, he struggled, but still made, a, made some contributions that were nice to see. Um, John Collins... 13 points, 10 rebounds, and two block shots. I thought he was actually pretty solid. The foul trouble limited him offensively a little bit in this game, just from lack of shots. Only, only took nine shots. It was 0-3 from three. Got to the line, though, five times. Was physical. I think defensively he was good, like capital G good in this game. Made a lot of plays around the rim um, as the only backline defender sometimes. He was uh, playing big and playing physically. I thought it was a good night for him overall, even, even without the huge box score stats for John. Uh, DeAndre Hunter, 15 points, 11 rebounds to lead the team in rebounding in this spot. He was very good on both ends of the floor. Again, um, I've always been high on Hunter, but he's been even better than I thought he was going to be the first two games of the regular season so far. Good to see him taking steps forward. I think defensively, he's made a pretty tangible leap already. You don't want to overstate that through two games, but last year it was kind of a disappointment defensively, at least compared to his, uh, his previous baseline. And then this year he's made a little bit of a leap here. So it's good to see that. I've, again, always been a fan. I think he's a, a very, very solid player. Still a role guy, to be sure, but a little bit of offensive juice as well. Took four threes, made two of them. Got to the line three times, took 11 shots, which is the third most on the team. So just an aggressive, good night for DeAndre Hunter once again. And he's building and building on his previous body of work. And then Trey Young, of course. Um, the first quarter was not Trey's um, apex, we'll say, by his standards anyway. You know, in the first quarter, he still was only, he still was 2 of 5 from the floor. He just missed uh, two threes and didn't have any assists, which kind of just not his uh, best self in the first. But from there, he was pretty much lights out. Finishes his game with 36 points and 9 assists. Only two turnovers, which is a huge, huge number for Trey. Um, 10, 10, 10 of 24 from the floor. 15 of 17 from the line. Um, he managed to score 36 points and do so efficiently while shooting one of seven from three. That's a good sign for Trey Young. He didn't have a jumper in this game. It didn't matter. He was creative. He was probing. Um, he got in got got in some guys' heads with, with Grayson Allen with, with with Dylan Brooks. His passing is always fantastic. So you know a pretty virtuoso performance from him in the second half. He wasn't as good overall in this game as he was on Wednesday because he was uh, you, you basically just can't assume that ever. He was so good on Wednesday that you, that's, that's just something you, that you can't bank on every night. But basically, in the second half of this game, he was that good again, and uh, he's showing why he's a star. So there you go. 36 points, 9 assists, and the best player on the court in this game overall. So, you know, the Memphis played well in stretches, I will say. Um, 
one more time, this is not the full strength Memphis team, but to go on the road and beat Memphis by 10 without Capella and without Gallinari, two of your best five players, is pretty impressive. You know, this game was closer than 10 for most of the way, but still, you have to be positive about the way this Hawks team played in this spot and going out and banking two wins when you know that, you know, coming soon, you have to go to Brooklyn for two. The Hawks do come home on Monday in a game that I will be at. The home opener is against the Pistons. The Hawks are better than the Pistons. They're playing at home. That's a game the Hawks will be favored to win and should win if they play well. Not a guarantee by any means, but they have to come home and win it. Um, schedule does get a little bit more difficult in the coming days, but still, 2-0, you can't argue with anything the Hawks have done so far. They're playing quite well, and because of the early the early slot uh, on this day, a lot of extra eyeballs on this one between the matchup between Young and Morant. And Morant was very good, but Young was you know just as good or better in this spot. So uh, yeah, I still prefer Trey in that matchup, and I think that was probably the case in this game as well. So a lot of positives. I don't you know I'm not someone that's gonna that's gonna keep going over and over again about the uh, the crazy exclamation point positives, but the Hawks played very well in this game, and they're rewarded with that for a victory. So we'll see how Capella fares. Injury-wise, we'll see if, when, when Gallinari is available. We'll see what the reevaluation periods are. By the way, on Monday, you have reevaluations for Kongwu and Dunn. Those are two huge things for the Hawks team. Um, looking forward, obviously, Kongwu is a long-term piece, but Dunn as well. Um, you want get, to get those guys back sooner rather than later, so we'll keep an eye on those as well, and I'll report back with any information. So stay tuned for all of that coverage. I am planning to do one more podcast at some point between now and the game on, on Monday, I should say. Hopefully that will come through. I have a guest schedule that I'm hoping to uh, have on the podcast on Sunday evening into Monday, so hopefully that will uh, happen. Cross your fingers on that one, but regardless, we'll be here with one more, one more podcast between now and then. Please subscribe to the podcast. Everyone that already has, I sincerely thank you for doing so. But in the holiday spirits, please tell a friend or two or three about the show. Uh, gift that to them if they are a Hawks fan. Um, the for the for the little price of zero dollars and potentially a five star review if you enjoy the podcast. But check out our sponsors on the show. But online AG is our official our official betting sponsor, etc. And uh, yeah, stay tuned. We'll see you next time.